Hello, my name is Sandy Adamitis, the social media director for the Page International Screenwriting Awards, and your host for the Writer's Hangout, a podcast that celebrates the many stages of writing, from inspiration to the first draft, revising, getting a project made, and everything in between. We'll talk to the best and the brightest in the entertainment industry and create a space where you can hang out, learn from the pros, and have fun. Hey, writers, it's Sandy. I'm back in LA and I'm rested and happy to be with you. I miss the East Coast, so I'm playing woodland sounds from the Pro Sound Effects Library of my Alexa. Anyways, I also wanted to say hi to my good friend, Tom McGurk of McGurk's Ocean View Hotel and Restaurant in Hampton, New Hampshire, for such a great lunch and fun conversation. We really appreciated you guys putting out all the stops for us. The food was served was delicious and the staff couldn't have been nicer. Definitely going back. Okay, on to some business. As you know, the Writer's Hangout is sponsored by the Page International Screenwriting Awards. And on Friday, July 15th, they announced the 2022 quarterfinalists whose screenplays will be advancing to the next round of the competition. We know we made a lot of writers happy with this announcement, but we understand how frustrating and sad it can be to the writer's who did not advance. So I wanted to share with you a couple of movie scripts that were rejected over the years you may have heard of. First up, Back to the Future. Back to the Future was a sci-fi comedy, as you all know, directed and co-written by Robert Zemeckis. Back in 1985, it ended up being the highest grossing film of that year, But get this, it was rejected over 40 times, count it, 40 times by every major studio and some more than once because they'd go back when they'd change management. So when the studio had a new executive in charge, they just went back and pitched it again. Very smart. Bob Gale, its co-writer, says it was offered to Disney, but they thought it was too dirty. And Disney said a mother falling in love with her son was not appropriate for a family film under the Disney banner. Hmm. Eventually, Universal Pictures picked up the movie only after witnessing the success of the other Robert Zemeckis movie, Romancing the Stone. That and a certain director called Steven Spielberg helped to get Back to the Future over the line. Of course, as in any movie in development, changes had to be made. And Gail says the head of Universal at the time, Sid Scheinberg, liked the script, but he asked a couple of things to be changed. First, he didn't like the name Professor Brown. Doc Brown was first called Professor Brown. And Sid said that he didn't think kids would like a guy named Professor. So he asked for it to be changed to Doc Brown. Also, Doc Brown didn't have a dog. 
he had a chimpanzee. Sid said that he looked it up, which I bet his assistant looked it up for him. And I think they might have even had to have gone back to old varieties or something to look this up because there was no online back then. So let's say the assistant looked it up and Sid said, no movie with a chimpanzee ever made any money. Do you hear that, Matt LeBanc? I forget what kind of primate was in that movie. Gail said, but what about all those Clint Eastwood movies? Every which way but loose and any which way you can. Sid responded with, nope, that was an orangutan. So that's how they ended up with a dog. There were more famous changes, including the means of time travel itself, which was originally a fridge. Zemeckis, however, changed that quickly as he felt children would be reacting to it and climbing into fridges. I got to say that was probably a good change. And we, we like the DeLorean, right? Also, this is the most famous thing. Eric Stoltz was in the lead and Eric was taking the part very, very seriously. And everyone else thought of it more as a comedic role. And so he was let go and Michael J. Fox was brought in to play Marty McFly. Side note, side personal note, when I worked on Ghost Whisperer, Jennifer Love Hewitt's secondhand store was located at the Courthouse Square on the Universal lot where Back to the Future was shot. And I used to hear the tram tourist guides say over and over every time the tram went by, Back to the Future was shot here, Back to the Future was shot here. And I wanted to run after every single tram and scream. This square is also known for To Kill a Mockingbird. To Kill a Mockingbird was filmed here. Arguably one of the best movies ever made. Next up, Pulp Fiction. When Quentin Tarantino and co-writer Roger Avery took their script, Pulp Fiction, to TriStar, executives said... This is the worst screenplay that this film company has ever been handed. This is awful. It's not funny. Makes no sense. This guy's dead. He's alive. What's going on? Ouch. They also said it was too demented. I kind of get that one, but I kind of liked it for that too. And going back to the non-linear storytelling, it kind of made the movie more memorable, don't you think? Against its budget of $8.5 million and about $10 million in marketing costs, Pulp Fiction ended up with grossing about $107 million at the U.S. box office, making it the first indie film to surpass $100 million. Worldwide, it took in nearly $213 million. Bravo. Bravo, Pulp Fiction. Okay, here's a TV show, Squid Game. Kwang Dong-hyuk's Squid Game became the biggest series in Netflix history within its first 28 days on the service, but this survival thriller success did not come overnight. Juan first developed the concept over 12 years ago, but struggled to find a network or production company to back it. 
Writers, write in and let me know if you like Squid Games. I know it's controversial because of the violence, but I, I did like it. I admit when I first turned it on, I had to walk away from it pretty quickly. I couldn't take the violence, but I kept thinking about the story and the characters and I went back. I did have to fast forward through some of the violence still, but I ultimately really, really liked the series and my favorite actor played player 101, Stranger Things. The Duffer brothers were on the series Wayward Pines when they were pitching a nostalgic teen horror show set in the 1990s way back in the 1990s. The talented writing brothers say they were turned down by mm, 15 to 20 networks before they landed at Netflix. There we go. There's Netflix again. Notes given tended to focus on the combination of the series' dark and scary atmosphere with a cast of young teens. The brothers were told, you either got to make it into a kid's show or make it about this hopper detective character investigating paranormal activity around town. Many fans, I'm sure, are glad that the Duffer brothers kept their vision. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. If you want to hear the original origin story of the Buffy TV series, check out episode nine of the Writer's Hangout entitled Buffy the Vampire Slayer's 25th Anniversary Special with Steve LaRue. Steve LaRue is the executive who championed the series at 20th Century Fox. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, as we know, was based on a film that wasn't a hit, and the creator, Josh Whedon, wasn't even sure the material would translate to television. Whedon shopped a Buffy pilot, which he wrote on back to the networks, all of whom turned it down. But then Buffy found a home at the WB. Then at the time, 20th was hungry for content and trusting Steve took a risk. As it turned out, Buffy became one of the network's first hits and spawned numerous spin-off series, comics, and novels. Okay, last one I'll mention because there are truly so many of these stories about scripts that just kept getting rejected over and over. Dumb and Dumber. The Farley brothers had so much trouble getting people to look at this script, they changed the title to A Power Tool is Not a Toy, so at least executives read it. The Farleys say they were turned down by hundreds of actors before they finally convinced Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels to star. Well, that's just a few screenplays that have been rejected. And any writer, any screenwriter who has studied their craft knows on page 39 of William Goldman's Adventure in the Screen Trade, in all caps it says, nobody knows anything. It is, Goldman writes, the single most important fact perhaps of the entire movie industry. As a screenwriter, the word pass, no, phrase, get out of here, happens to everyone. 
but that doesn't make it any less painful, does it? So how do you deal with rejection? I have three tips. Number one, accept it. Rejections are inevitable. Feel how you feel, then pick yourself up and know others are going through it and that you are on the right path. Number two, give yourself some time. Whether it's your first rejection or your 20th, allow yourself to feel angry, sad, cheated, misunderstood without guilt. Don't wallow too long, though. After a couple of hours, days, get on with it. Be proud you finished your screenplay. And please, please don't take it personally. Keep writing. That's number three. Keep writing. This is the tough one, right? Keep writing. Working on your craft and submit your work to other people, work on other projects, get back to writing something you love is the best thing to remind yourself why you started in the first place. That's a wrap for the Writer's Hangout. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, like, and thrive. Till we get to hang out again, keep writing. The world needs your stories. The Writer's Hangout is sponsored by the Page International Screenwriting Awards. Executive producer, Kristen O'Vern. Producers, Terry Sampson and Sandy Adamitis. Music by Ethan Stoller.